Hello and welcome to the Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist and I'm the online editor at the Strad. Luthier and bowmaker Eris Zula joins me in this episode. Eris features in our March issue Trade Secrets with a step-by-step guide on repairing a bow thumb groove with epoxy and modelling clay. You know, if you've been playing a lot and your thumb or maybe even your thumbnail on your right hand starts to wear away on the stick of the bow and it leaves a great big dent, this repair is for that. So this sparked a conversation not only on the procedure itself, but also about the importance of repairing, restoring and preserving our bows, given the precarious situation of Pernambuco wood at the moment. Rather than writing off bows that require extensive surgery, Iris is all for repair whenever possible, as well as better education for players, students and their parents on simple everyday habits we can instill to keep our bows in better health for longer. Here's Iris. Hi, Iris. Welcome to the Strad Podcast. Hello, Davina. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> it's wonderful to have you here. So we're going to be talking a little bit about bow repairs uh, because you've got a trade secrets article in our March issue of the Strad, which I just had a read of. Really interesting. It's about repairing a thumb groove in a bow with epoxy and modeling clay. And you mentioned in the article, which is a sort of step-by-step process with pictures of how to fix this fairly common procedure for listeners. We're describing the little dent that's made in the wood, the stick of the bow from where the thumb touches the wood. How do you come up with a repair method for something like this? As you mentioned, it's fairly common. Does it involve a lot of trial and error and experimentation? So I first tried this method around 2012. I remember I was working at that time at a very talented uh, restorer's workshop, uh, Martino Use in Milan. It was the first time I saw epoxy and I used epoxy at that time. His uh, father-in-law was into uh, boat building. So that's how he also came uh, in contact with uh, the product. And uh, we used it for uh, an aesthetical work on a, a scroll, a violin scroll. Mm-hmm. Then, seeing it from there, I then used it home uh, for an uh, aesthetically work on a bow where a little piece was missing and uh, with the epoxy it becomes really nice and uh, it looks like the real wood from the inside. So it worked really well. And then I thought, why not <laughs> try it on the uh, groove of the bows? It's a very common uh, repair. I used to do it with shavings of uh, Pernambuco and glue at the time. It wouldn't come off as beautiful. And then I started trying it with the epoxy. Uh, the modeling clay is the way of holding the liquid epoxy in the place that you want. It's not... Uh, yeah, so it sort of surrounds part, yeah, the whole, it's around, it? yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. The, the yeah. actual material is the B-component epoxy, which becomes really hard. And uh, I've seen bows restored after many years, and they uh, hold very well. Uh, the color comes out nice because it's the inside color of the Pernambuco. And I think it's an uh, easy and uh, nice way to protect the wood in that area which is very often um, uh, because of the touching, constant rambling of our thumbs there, we tend to eat away the wood. There are some things we can do to help the situation uh, not get worse. Like if we have uh, rehairs more often, 
that part of the wood won't be as uh, exposed. When you neglect a rehair, uh, your hair uh, gets longer, very long. So uh, it leaves you this part of the bow very exposed. Your thumb goes in there and it drops the wood more frequently, more, and eats it away even more. If you rehair your bow when it needs to be rehaired, you won't have that big of a problem in that area. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Because when the hair gets long, it's stretched, and so you're tightening the bow more and more so that mm-hmm. the frog is right at the maximum length of the stick. It almost feels like you can't hold the bow properly, in my experience, when I've left it a very long time to get a rehair. And I feel like my thumb is like poking through, and th- I mean, it feels like there's a huge gap between the leather grip and the frog, and it just it just doesn't feel very nice to play with. Exactly. And also the leather grip, sometimes we eat it away with our sweat and our uh, fingers. So uh, getting that part of the bow redone is essential. So it's there to protect the stick. Replacing it protects the stick better. (laughs) I've never actually had the leather part of my bow replaced before, but is this a common thing that you're having to do for players? Yes, especially when somebody sweats or their sweat is a little bit acidic, the leather uh, tends to wear uh, wear down, Uh, um, depending also on the material that the leather is made of, like what kind of leather. There is harder leathers, like leather leathers, and there is softer leathers. Depending on what you have and your uh, personal uh, acidity of the sweat and how much you sweat, you will have a different situation on your bow. So can I ask also about the repair that you mentioned before with the epoxy, which you also describe like really nicely in your article as liquid glass. How long would that last? Is it something that you'd have to get retouched after a while or is it a lasting thing? So I've seen bows after many years. Let's say I've seen bows after six or seven years that uh, have been eaten just a little bit. That's, they don't need a replacement yet. But uh, you can keep doing the same thing and nothing happens. This method is very nice because it's not invasive to the uh, bow. You don't eat away any part of the bow. You just add material. And in any uh, moment you want to take that material off, you can do it. That sort of brings me to the next point that I know that we wanted to touch on in this conversation is preserving bows that we have and looking after our bows, not writing them off completely when they become damaged or um, are in need of repair. So, you know, tell me a little bit about some challenging repairs that you've encountered so I, I have a challenging repair right now on my workbench waiting for me to address it. I have it already five days there and I keep walking by it and thinking exactly what am I going to do. So this is, I have this bow broken in half because someone sat on it oh. and it's like teared <laughs> in two pieces. I have already decided that I'm going to glue it with uh, epoxy glue and uh, now I'm, uh, this time I'm going to use uh, the G2 epoxy uh, glue by um, System 3. Uh, it's very uh, good for oily tropical wood. So in theory, my surface is long enough that I can glue it and just not do anything to reinforce it. If I don't feel comfortable with that, I always think of who is going to play the bow, how uh, hard they're playing with their bow, are they students, are they solid, who is going to play the bow, like in what way. 
And uh, also the bow that is on my hand, like what kind of bow is it? Is it a student bow? Is it uh, something more expensive? I'm trying now to decide what am I going to do to reinforce that? Am I going to lap it with cotton thread or some kind of thread? Or am I going to do the most invasive of all, like uh, patches right and left of the break? I'm going to have to think a little bit more of that. <laughs> but somebody would tell me, why are you even uh, thinking of repairing this uh, bow? Uh, just turn it to insurance company as a total loss. So I would like to talk a little bit about uh, this. I was trained to dismiss broken uh, bows very easily. Ah, uh, oh, this bow loses all of its value, big part of its value, so why repair it? Just get a new bow. I have started to think very differently on this matter. Part of me changing was uh, more education on it from uh, the community um, uh, in uh, Women in Luthery. And it's a community of women supporting women to make the world of Luthery more equitable. They have this international conference where I learned a lot about the matter of Pernambuco. And also, uh, if you want to look it up, an international fellowship program. It's very interesting. Please, uh, uh, maybe we can leave a link for you to check yeah. it out. I think we uh, covered that, actually, on, on mm-hmm. the Strat Online. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, we have. Yeah. From there, Lynn Hannings, a very uh, uh, good, uh, good bow maker, uh, brought awareness to me uh, on this matter a lot. Uh, we use these pieces in an unsustainable way. And it's not acceptable. Uh, the same way that it is happening with Pernambuco will happen with every species we use if we don't do something about it. We have to think differently and use the materials more wisely. And talking about bows, we have to think more about these disposable bows and how to or why to use them and maybe not try not to use them as much because uh, they're not even worth the cost of uh, rehair sometimes and they're just thrown away after some months of use. And I think everybody can be an active member on uh, the conservation uh, also by donating to the Alliance or the IPCI. If anybody needs information on that, I will be very glad to share. We need to plant trees to protect music. Pernambuco bows are tools for all the musicians. And we should all do our best. We all play a role in this. So what has changed in me is uh, the awareness. And now I try a lot more to save uh, a bow, even if it's going to be played for a little bit more. Or for a student uh, that would never be able to play that bow, but now he is because it's a restored bow. I think everybody has to try to think a little bit more on that way for a more sustainable future. Mm. Thinking a bit more long-term about one's bow, and it's not just for the time that it's in your hand when you're playing it. I interviewed Heather Noonan recently from the League of American Orchestras. Uh, She went to the CITES CITES, uh, conference. She really highly recommended to players, luthiers, anyone that deals with bows to really think about how well do you know your bow? The same way that we consider other materials in our lives, you know, if we can get longevity out of them rather than throwing something away, giving something another life, making sure that we prolong its use 
when it's in our hands so that it's it's not just contributing to extra waste. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I, I didn't used to think like that because I just didn't, I didn't, I never thought like that. I didn't know the danger yeah. that was coming. And now with everything that has been happening, everybody uh, uh, was here when uh, this November, everything was happening in Pernambuco and everybody was uh, scared <laughs> about the future of uh, classical music. Exactly. What can we do without our precious resources? And so I think now more and more people are thinking a bit more consciously about how they're using that resource and also with the resources that we currently have. And partly, you know, in forms of little repairs and stuff, little methods that we can undertake to make sure that we can continue using this. Exactly. I think twice and three times before I say, uh, no, I can't do this. No, I will try. I will try to do it. It will give me more life for more time and uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Fun little fact about a bow that I broke um, a few years ago. <laughs> so you mentioned that you're currently repairing a bow that someone sat on. I broke a bow about 10 years ago where it was on my lap and I moved my leg and it tipped over and fell on its tip. And that's where it broke, right at the weakest point. Yes. But it got repaired and it's it's currently my spare bow. So it does get used once in a while when my proper bow is getting rehead so you know not a complete write-off of course of course yes some ways to like take care of your bow for example the first thing i would say this is be to clean your bow not only because you would have a clean bow but actually while clean cleaning it more people look at the bow and when you look at the bow you start to see what things are not in place what is going on because many times musicians are um, so occupied with their really hard work they don't look at their violin and bow as much. And then they take it to the luthier and they're like, oh, your plate tip is broken. Oh, really? I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, I was too concerned about practicing my staccato <laughs> yes, and spiccato. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, then I would say the number one thing is to always loosen your hair, your, the bow hair, always, always. And then put it in the case, not on the bed, not on the couch. In the case, close the case. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave it on your lap and then move your leg like I did. <laughs> or the stand, the music stand. Everybody mm. has done that. Uh, me too. Mm. I'm a, I, I play the violin. I've done all of this before <laughs> I started thinking about them so hard. <laughs> so then, uh, rehairs are very important. Don't neglect rehairs because um, it, they can help you not go on other serious uh, restorations after repaired not be so i would say sometimes you leave the hair for longer time and the hair gets long we already talked about the restoration about the thumb group that's not the only thing that can happen with um, overdue hair. many times you extend your bow more and more and more and then you feel that it has stopped and you're frustrated yeah. and you try to screw more but it has already at the end of the route. It doesn't go anymore. And you're just trying and trying, and you destroy the eyelet. And even more, you can break the other end of the bow. And also, if you uh, are playing for a long time and half of your hair is already gone, and you leave it like that for a long time, your bow can warp. So then, after that, I would say don't neglect the leather grip to change the leather grip when needed, so you don't eat out all the wood. Check very, very carefully the head plate. Check it if, you, if it's uh, cracked at any place, if uh, the tip is missing. That is the first thing protecting your tip. 
when you first hit your bow somewhere, this is the first thing that's going to break. If the heat is uh, not strong enough, then it's the only thing that will break. <laughs> if the heat is stronger, then unfortunately the tip will also be affected. Whenever you see that your head plate is not in perfect condition, it has to be in one piece. That's the only way it holds force, in one piece. You have to go and replace it right away. Be very careful sometimes of your cases and see how your bow sits in the case. Many times uh, the clips tend to push or pull the bow and this can warp the bow. You don't have mm. clips in your case mostly because it's a cello. I'm talking mostly about cello. violin and viola, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But actually that does um, make me think, you know, as a cellist, when you're putting your bow in the case, you're putting it tip down. And so it's just being aware that it's not, you know, doing anything damaging as you place it into the, into the pouch. Be aware that nothing is pushing it in the case. Many mm. people put photographs behind their bows and then they have three different uh, cotton cloths to clean their violin and they all like make a nice pile and put it on the violin and then close the case. This height can push your bow for hours and hours when you're not practicing. And yeah, then you end up with a, with a wart bow for no reason. And uh, like I said before, uh, if you lose a lot of hairs, try to not leave it for a long time because it gets pulled only from one side and that can also warp your bow. Mm-hmm. Try not to drop it, leaving it on the stand, leaving it on the bed, or any leaving any it on case. your lap. <laughs> yeah, leaving it on your lap. I didn't want to say it, but you did. <laughs> oh, you could say it. It's fine. I mean, I've learned from that mistake, and I'll never ever do it again. <laughs> but yeah, I think. I mean, generally, it's just good to think about these things. We think so much about instruments, and perhaps we need to think a little bit more about bows, not only in the everyday good habits that we can instill, but also the long-term habits and the long-term awareness of the resources. And also just so that if you're always having this awareness of your bow, you're able to nip a lot of these problems in the bud before they become much bigger problems. Exactly, exactly. It's like every illness. If you catch it in the beginning, you won't in your surgery. Well, that's, I think, plenty of things for people to consider in terms of the health of their bow and also considering the longevity and sustainability of their bow as well. Iris, thank you so much. It's been really interesting, you know, talking bows with you and um, I will promise to look after my bow better after (laughs) speaking with you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) That was Iris Zula. We mentioned an interview with Heather Noonan from the League of American Orchestras in the chat, so check out the show notes for that episode on the future of Pernambuco, as well as plenty of other articles on the topic. Plus, make sure to check out our March issue of The Strad to see Iris's guide on repairing a bow thumb groove with epoxy and modelling clay. It's out now. And don't forget to check out thestrad.com where you'll find the latest news, articles and reviews on all things to do with string playing. And if you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. We've got 50% off an online subscription for students and if you're not sure you're ready to subscribe, take out a free trial for 7 days, start reading right away with no strings attached. And if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts right now, Give us a little review or rating. It will help other people discover this podcast. Thank you for listening and tune in again soon for another episode. Take good care. Bye.